hovering above the mouse for so long. The clicker. Hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles Fearless Records' Punk Goes series to answer the age-old question, hell yeah or yeah nah. I came so close to just saying the internet's only podcast. We're the only one. There's none others. Yeah. No no other podcasts. We invented it. Uh, We popularised it. And we keep it fashionable. Yes. But don't add us about that. Just believe us. Exactly. Just, um, just pretend that where you're... Just, just be like your auntie on... Not your specific auntie, but just be like your auntie on Facebook who just believes the wildest QAnon conspiracy theories. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Who boy. I'm having one of those, like... Moods at the moment where I feel like I'm watching myself talk into the microphone, which I think is why I paused because I was like, "Oh yeah, I am the vessel that is doing the speaking at the moment. I need to keep going." You're having an out of body experience. Yep, and it's time to come down. Ah, <laughs> well, with that beautiful segue, this week's song is "Come Down" by Bush, as covered by Mayday Parade for Punk Goes Nineties Volume Two. We've been smashing this album lately. Yeah, we have. Like, this has been, I guess, like, with the addition of the the Japanese tracks, it extends it a bit, but, like, we might not have Punk Goes 90s Volume 2 by the end of the year. Yeah, I... Although I did think that this was the beginning of the year and not the end of the year, so... Oh, don't. It... I cannot believe it's already August. And, like, not in a normal, like, adult way of, like, oh, time goes so fast. It just, like, time doesn't mean... It's, it's, it's immaterial at this point. It's both stopped and moving at light speed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And One day I'm going to walk out of my house and I'll be 40 and it's just like, oh. One day I'm going to get recording shorts because for some reason when I enter this room, <laughs> I immediately just go, my legs are hot. Just get a hot flush. I, I got it. Flash, whatever my, it is. My legs are hot. I got to perform this in my boxer shorts. <laughs> So, so, uh, um, give to my Patreon so I can buy some recording shorts. Yeah, just sponsor <laughs> Sam so he can buy some shorts. I'll let you design the shorts. We're not getting you custom made shorts. That'd be dope though, like, like Punko's Pod shorts. It would, but we, we do not have the funds to design shorts. Any... We cannot just keep designing bits of household items and clothing that you need specifically. Hey, hey, hey. The the Punk Goes Pod spatula set was quintessential <laughs> to this house, all right? Yep. The Punk Goes Pod brand sewing kit. Um, yeah. Jesus. So I guess that's a good enough spot to just get onto Bush. Let's do it.
So Bush formed in 1992 from London, England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of shocked to find out that they're British. I think, like, when you asked me earlier, like, did you know they're British? It's definitely one of those facts that I had read and then subsequently forgotten until you told me. Yeah. But then I always feel, like, disingenuous being like, no, I knew that. Because it's like, I literally, I knew it at one moment in time, then I forgot all about it, but now I know it again. And I just feel like I'm making it up when I'm like, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Um, Fake it till you make it, baby. Yeah, true. So, vocalist Gavin Rossdale met former King Black guitarist and now former uh, Bush guitarist Nigel Pulsford at Wembley Stadium. The Brits really are the only country that are keeping the name Nigel alive yeah. as well. That's just such a, like, those five words, Nigel Pulsford at Wembley Stadium. At Wembley, yeah, that's like... It's just such a if- British sounding word. If if like they wimbly wombly. if they were drinking tea while slagging off the queen as well, like then it's just like the they most... wouldn't slag off the queen though. They're oh, British. like oh, there's there's plenty of there's plenty of young. Oh, I guess they're not young though; they're nearly sixty. But like, there's plenty of younger yeah British folk. I'm sure that are like, why do we need a queen anymore? Yeah. What? Why? Why are we so focused on why? Why do we care what this old racist white lady cares? About so they met at Wembley uh, during a performance by the Australian group Baby Animals, who were the supporting act for Brian Adams during his 1991 England tour. Well, shit. So Rossdale had been in a relationship with Baby Animals front woman Susie Demarchi. Suze. Suze Demarchi. I don't know. Right. Rossdale and Pulsford formed a friendship after this show. Okay, so in other words, you're welcome, everyone, for Australia birthing this band. You're just welcome for Australia. Like, eh. In parts. No. Alright, Australia um, brought the world us, so the two of us. That's true. Well, no, New Zealand brought brought you to the world. So. Ooh, yeah. Look, uh, swings and roundabouts, as they say. Probably in England. I do like their meeting story, though, because it doesn't say that they they met like specifically at the Brian Adams leg of this show. Yeah. It was just the Baby Animals show, and it's like I like to imagine that they were those music stubs that came for the opening act <laughs> and then just left yeah. <laughs> during during the the fucking mainstream Brian Adams. Yeah, although that's before Brian Adams was like cancelled. So. Are you talking about Brian or Ryan? Oh, wait. I'm, I'm pretty sure Brian is still fine. Wait, no, I wasn't d- mistaking the two, but I feel like Brian Adams also did something. Okay, you look into that and I'll continue on. Like, I don't think he's a bad, I just think he's got like a shit take a weird, on the world. A weird person. So the band started out as Future Primitive and one British record executive, uh, didn't say who on the on the Wikipedia page, said that their original sound was more akin to the popular In Excess songs. Like, we need more In Excess in the world, so... I Yeah, I've been vibing to In Excess lately. They're good. Fuck yeah, you have. Um, So, Brian Adams did a classic sort of racist rant about COVID in 2020. Oh, what, calling it the China virus or something? Oh, yeah, basically just like, oh, bat eating and wet mo-. Like, it's just like, fuck off. Grow up, mate. 
Yeah. Anyway. Read a book, Brian. Exactly. So in 1993, the band was signed by Rob Kahani, who had a distribution deal with Disney's Hollywood Records. Cool. However, when Disney executive Frank G. Wells suddenly died, Kahani lost a supporter in the company, and the deal subsequently fell through with Hollywood Records deeming the record unacceptable. That... <laughs> Can you imagine me told... They recorded, they recorded the debut studio album, 16 Stone, and, and fucking subsidiary of Disney was like, nah, it's unacceptable. I mean... I can believe it, but I can also, like, to me, that's just such a, like, you cannot tell me that, largely speaking, the music industry operates on merit because, like, it's literally who you know. Yeah. Because, like... It was literally because he knew this person. And then they carked it. Yep. And then it's just like, well, I guess that lead is gone. Um, Anyway... Like, even just like, oh, we're going to go in a different direction. It was just, nah, this is unacceptable. <laughs> like, it's, That's a very Disney thing to say. Like, Disney being, like, just one of the most evil corporations, but on the f- their face, just being like, it's unacceptable. Yeah. I don't know why I put a British accent on then. Ah, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Interscope Records would decide to pick up the album... Uh, 16 Stone, which was, again, their debut mm-hmm. studio album, releasing it at the end of 1994. And good on them. The album would go six times multi-platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America, or cool. the IRAA. So, look, Interscope thought... RIAA. RIAA. The RIA. The RIA. So Interscope was like, that is acceptable. <laughs> Thank you, money, money. I accept money. this album. Money, money, money. Give it to me. Num, 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 num. Num, 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 num. Um, this, was just, this was just one that I thought was funny. <laughs> In Canada, the band were forced to change their name to Bush X because there was already a well-established Canadian band by the name of Bush. I just, like, who fucking cares? I know that it's happened to bands before. Like, I know that Blink had to add 182 because there was another Blink. And, like, but just who cares? Like, eventually one of them will win out over the other to become the band known as this. And then who cares? I guess it does kind of just make sense, though, if you're wanting to sell something. (laughs) Like, imagine if you... If you had this sick album like 16 stone and you're in Canada and it's like Bush and, and like the teens are going, no, I fucking hate Bush, but like getting the wrong Bush. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's such a dumb name. Bush X. Bush X. Um, yeah, it's pretty, should have changed their name to shrub. Shrub. (laughs) Um, like it happens quite a bit in metal bands. I'm trying to think of, trying to think of like, some of them like there's a there's a an old school British heavy metal band called Satan, but of course there's like a million Satans because yep. it's because it's metal. I think there's like there's, there's the speed metal group Midnight, and I'm pretty sure there's like then like five or six Midnights, and it's just like they just kind of coexist. That's where they should all just get into a room and like argue it out. I thought you were going to say record a song together, and I was imagining. <laughs> I was imagining in 
Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, where he's just like at his worst, just tripping on acid, and he's got like he's got like didgeridoos and like a goat and all this sort of stuff, yeah. producing this song that's just so it's just it's just music diarrhea. No. Nah. Uh, so I pulled together some quotes people made about the band. Okay. Uh, Matt Deal of Rolling Stone described Bush as the most successful and shameless mimics of Nirvana's music. Okay. Chuck Klosterman, author of Fargo, Rock City, A Heavy Metal Odyssey in Rural North Dakota, wrote, Bush was a good band who just happened to signal the beginning of the end. Ultimately, they would become the grunge Warrant. So the band Warrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think is kind of funny as well because Warrant, like, Two or three years too late decided to change their sound to grunge. Did they do Cherry Pie? They did do Cherry yeah. Pie. So I, they were like, the because like Cherry Pie was like, was like, yeah, it came along disgustingly late. Like Cherry Pie was like 91 or 92 <laughs> even. And it's like, oh, hair metal is so dead at this point. Yeah. It is ridiculously dead. Uh, in the book, Accidental Revolution, the story of grunge, Kyle Anderson wrote, The 12 songs on 16 Stone sound exactly like what grunge is supposed to sound like, while the whole point of grunge was that it didn't really sound like anything, including itself. Just consider how many different bands and styles of music have been shoved under the grunge header in this discography alone, and you realise that grunge is probably the most ill-defined genre of music in history. Um... I'm assuming that this guy is probably, like, one of those people that holds grunge so ridiculously close to his heart. Like, he's probably, like, probably, like, says, like, oh, no, Alice in Chains isn't grunge. That's not real grunge. They're not, are they? Alice in Chains. I thought they were just metal. No, Alice in Chains were a grunge band. Huh. Well, there you go. Dirt? Nah, that's a, that's a grunge album. Okay. Stone like Stone Temple Pilots, like that. Yeah, sort of Stone thing. Temple Pilots. I understand. Yeah. Well, there you go. He would say, "Oh, Stone Temple Pilots isn't real grunge." But like, this is just such a fucking stu- like that to me. He is saying a lot while saying nothing at all. Like, sounds like what grunge is supposed to sound like, which is interesting because it's not supposed to sound like. It's like, but that's the whole point. It's like you. A genre is built on similar sounding things and then it defines itself like in a sort of never ending, like it's grunge because it sounds like this because it's grunge. Like he makes it sound like grunge is the most like technically just out of whack style of music. Like he makes it sound like it's, it's one of those, you know, when it's like just this guy like Mike, bash a microphone against the a drum kit and it's like it's called like it has a, it has a name but mm. like um i can't remember what it's called sam sutherland did an episode about it on this right. exists and it's it's like technically that's music and but like technically it's it's you know does something different from the next person who does something like yeah. that or like it just makes it he makes it sound like it's this it's more than what it was which was just Dirtier rock and roll with sadder lyrics. Yeah. It It was that's 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 basically what grunge was, was dirty rock and roll with sad lyrics. And it's just uh yeah, I don't know, like to me like grunge was inevitable. 
because mm. you already had like the undercurrents of like what it was inspired by. Like you had punk, you had rock, you had whatever the fuck else. Yeah. All it took was to just make things a bit sludgier and to wear baggy jeans. And I know that sounds reductive, but like that's how any fucking genre begins is like yeah. someone is a trailblazer and then from there like I don't yeah, it's just such a stupid thing to say of like like they sound like the genre that doesn't sound like anything. It's like but it, that's what a genre is. It's like it's saying they sound like the genre that they're trying to sound like. Yeah, which like excellent tick. Yeah. So like, so finish fuck off. So like What's your complaint then? Oh, because they sound too much like the genre and it shouldn't sound like... Like, the genre needs to be confusing and and inaccessible to its listener base. Like, this guy is definitely the kind of guy who cracked the shits when Green Day signed to a major label. Because, mm. like, oh, that isn't very punk. It's like, well, f- are you going to be a career musician or not? Like... The Ramones had a fucking movie, like... Get the fuck out of here with what's, like, punk and what's not punk. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of here. I, I do want to ask the question, though. Are Bush industry plants? No. I wouldn't think so. What I'm, makes you think that? Well, I mean, from what he's saying, like, oh, it's grunge that's supposed to sound like grunge, and they do the grunge. But to me, that's just such a moot point. That's like saying, like, ugh. Britney Spears sounds exactly like what pop is supposed to sound like. Like, I guess just also like in the sense of like they were going to be signed to Disney, they were going like they yeah. were signed to Interscope. Like they they had major label success immediately. Um, but again, like I, I don't know. Like I I don't. I'm just trying to like raise debate here. Well, <laughs> I thought you were going to say I was just trying to be funny. No, um, I guess like they. Again, like, they sort of had a leg up in terms of knowing someone who knew someone. Yeah. And then that probably did open up doors for, like, them to even be on Interscope's radar. Yeah. But to me, my interpretation is, like, they formed organically. They're not, like, a One Direction kind of thing where, like, the... Yeah. The ultimate goal was to... Or, like, a Lou Pearlman, like... Yeah. But, again, yeah, they, they're sort of, like, an in-between. Yeah. Because, like, they sort of, they had that stumble of, we're signed to Disney's record label, oh, whoops, no, we're not anymore. And that would have made people pay attention regardless. R.I.P. our career, and I guess the other guy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, well, I'm, I guess industry plant, because they're a bush. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say this, and it's going to piss off the music snobs, but, like, if the music's good, who the fuck cares if you're an industry plant, though? Like, yeah. I, like, I think it's I think that's the thing with, like, tramp stamps is, like, well, the music's just not good, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I thought you meant literal tramp stamps. I was like... No. And it's like... What they're trying to sell themselves as, they're not that yeah. as well. Um, because they're like, they're supposed to be, you know, young, like, teenagers rebelling. And it's like, they're our age and they're married. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think there's like, there's definitely the fucked side of it. 
And then, but then it's like, but if the music's good, who the fuck cares? I'm also just at a point where, like, I kind of just want to be like, well, yeah, welcome to the real world, dumbass. Like, nothing is merit-based anymore. Yeah. Like, literally any industry, you get in it based on what, like, who you know. Or, like, and I know that I'm making a broad, sweeping generalization there. That isn't accurate, but, like... There's a reason I'm not working at a book publisher because I didn't know anyone to break into it and so I dovetailed into something else that mm-hmm. I enjoy just as much. Like, everything is built on knowing people. That's yeah. how... Sh- and, like, it sucks, but that's what it is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like, be... I'm going to ask that thing of, like... Or say that statement that's, like, you know, when someone says, I, I'm dying, aren't we all dying? Like, isn't... Oh, that's... Yeah. Isn't basically any pop music just fucking industry plants it's some old yeah probably white man going well i'm going to bring in this young female talent because the young female population wants to listen to it yeah yeah i don't know there's just so like (laughs) this has been philosophy corner (laughs) i honestly just feel like i need to have like a blunt or something just like joe rogan type but like fucking except we we promote vaccinations yes we're not idiots but like yeah i am well aware that i sound like that just jaded dickhead who's just like uh well (laughs) actually like yeah humans probably won't survive like climate change but like the world will be perfectly fine without us (laughs) like yeah it's just like some things are true and it sucks, but, like, you're not being a downer for acknowledging it. Like, it just, it fucking is what it is. Like, who cares? I will say this. We might all die, but Punko's pot is forever. Exactly. It'll be on a hard drive in landfill somewhere. <laughs> yeah, because I buried it there. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah. Just this whole thing of, like, oh, but, like, this music isn't authentic. It's like, who fucking cares? Yeah. And again, like, I've talked about it so much, but everyone, like, sort of ragging on, like, the likes of, like, Bo Burnham or, like, Olivia Rodrigo or, like, ones where it's like, oh, but, like, boo-hoo, they have money and, like, they're pretending to be sad. It's like... You can be sad and have money. Like, you can go, hey, maybe you look like I had a fucked life or, like, hey, maybe I have depression and I just can't help that I feel this way. But even, like, even if they are being disingenuous, who fucking cares? Mm. If you can still resonate with it... Who cares? Yeah. That's art. That's the whole point. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Just fucking get off my lawn. Would you like to talk about the song? Sure. <clears throat> so, Come Down was the third single from the aforementioned debut album. Do you say aforementioned or aforementioned? Aforementioned. Good. Uh, debut album 16 Stone, which Sam calculated to be 101.6 kilos. Well, I I put in a... Uh, I went into a converter. <laughs> yeah, but you took the initiative to do that. Um, so frontman Gavin Rossdale wrote the song, and it was produced by Clive Langer, who produced the albums Kill Uncle by Morrissey and Mink Car by They Might Be Giants, among many others. Uh, it was also produced by Alan... Winstanley. How British is that name? Winstanley. Winstanley. Who produced the albums Punch the Clock by Elvis Costello and the Attractions and Flood by They Might Be Giants. I just love, like, <laughs> you're just on a They Might Be Giants yeah. bed this week. 
they were like 10 years apart as well. <laughs> Sick. Um, Rossdale describes the song as being about an ex. Um, and just the experience of like coming down from the euphoria of a relationship. Uh, the relationship in question was the one he had with Suze DeMarchi. Demarchi that we mentioned before. And I was sort of, animals. I was sort of like writing that out. Like I was reading it, but writing it out in my own words. Basically it's like when you're, when you have those euphoric moments in a relationship, but then you realize like it's not working and you have to come down from that. Right. Yeah. That moment. I literally just thought it was about drugs. So here we are. I mean, so did the internet when you looked up the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, drummer Rod, I was going to say Rodden, <laughs> Robin Goodridge. Robin Goodridge uh, told the publication Modern Drummer that the bassline and drum grooves were borrowed from a Massive Attack song. Didn't say which one. That's fine. I don't. Yeah, that's not going to change my day. <laughs> um, and the video was shot in LA and directed by British film director and son of Ridley Scott, Jake Scott who directed the music videos for the likes of Everybody Hurts by R.E.M., GoldenEye by Tina Turner, and Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead. I love that video. Um, I love GoldenEye. Yeah. Um, I just... Because cause that was the James Bond movie. I know. And, like, I just remember, like, the... So I don't know if he... I imagine he directed the the opening, like, credits... Possibly. ...to, to GoldenEye. Yeah. And so, like, I just remember it's, like... Oh no, maybe it wasn't that one. Just it was like people like hammering stuff, but I might be wrong. I feel like that sounds correct. But then like, it might have been a hammer and sickle because it might have still been like communist bad, <laughs> even though it was like nineteen ninety five. Sick. Um. Yeah, you can tell that it's a product of the nineties and of Jake Scott's work. I'm gonna have to look him up just to see what else he's done. Um, uh, it's mostly film clips. Like he has about three films. Yeah, but like um, fake plastic trees, like immediately, like the sort of saturated colors. The fisheye lens. Does it have a fisheye lens? I, oh, because I cause... it might, but I don't think it primarily does. Because I wrote here that I didn't need to see this clip to know that it would incorporate saturated colors and a fisheye lens. Yeah, it's yeah because <laughs> it was early nineties. You we yeah pretty much just whenever you digest any piece of media from the nineties, you just need like a bingo card of like saturated lens fish eye sepia tone yeah um yeah yeah the song reached number 45 on the aria charts uh number one in canada so get fucked bush and (laughs) number 30 on the u.s billboard hot 100 i wonder if they ever considered changing their name when uh george bush was in or w was in the office yeah Although I guess because they're British, it's like, well, we aren't American, so... Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of it? It's really good. Um, It's one of those ones I hadn't listened to it in years. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd ever really... Like, I'd never listened to it just on its own. Like, of course, I, like, I heard it either on the radio or on movies, that sort of thing. Like, pulling it, pulling it together... As like as this project, like having to listen to it, um, like they say that the bassline and the drum groove is from that Massive Attack song. I'm going to also say that the bassline is directly just the guitar lick from "You Give Love a Bad Name" by Bon Jovi. 
I cannot picture it in my head. So, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'll take your word for it then. Um, but, like, this was... Like, considering it was their debut album... Like, yeah, that's nuts. It was, it was shockingly huge. Like, going back and researching the album and researching the song and researching them, it was like, oh, wow, yeah, they... They like shot to the moon with this one, yeah. Um, and it's like because of course they probably their biggest song is Glycerine. Yes, that song is great, so good. Um, and yeah, look, it got him got Gavin Rossdale famous enough that he got to marry Gwen Stefani for ten years. Yeah, that's and, the dream. And date Courtney Love in between. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's been a lot of comparisons between them and Nirvana and mm-hmm. like, especially the comparison with his vocals and Kurt Cobain's vocals and like looking into it and people were pretty critical of the relationship. Cause it was like a year after he died mm. and Courtney Love was just like, the biggest takeaway was that he, like some people said that he sounded like Kurt Cobain. I'm sure that wasn't the biggest takeaway. But, but, like, but when I looked into it, like, that was what she said. Like, yeah. That was the only quote from her was, like, oh, yeah. Like, people keep saying that he sounds like Kurt Cobain or whatnot. For fuck's sake. So he was on break from Gwen Stefani, dated Courtney Love for about eight months, Boo. and then got back together with Gwen Stefani and had three kids with her. And then she married some racist country musician. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, Good on you, Gwen. Although her wedding dress when she got married to Gavin was so sick. Just like this beautiful, just like white gown, but the bottom of it was like dip dyed like bright pink. Oh, that's cool. I fucking love it. That was going to be like my dream wedding dress, but then <laughs> COVID happened. But like, yeah. So it was like Nicki Minaj's hair in the super bass film where she's got like the blonde, but then at the bottom is pink. Yes, yeah. but a wedding dress, not hair. Yeah. <laughs> What about this? A wedding dress made of hair. Gross. <laughs> um, yeah, what do you think? I like it. Like, it's definitely one of those songs that I would have heard when I was a kid, internalised it, and then when I heard it again, I was like, oh yeah, I remember yeah. this. But again, if you had asked me, so tell me about Bush, I would have been like, oh yeah, Glycerin, and I don't know what else. Like, Yeah. But And I would have said, that American band, Bush... Exactly, yeah. And then you would have said British, and I would have gone, why the fuck are you in my house? Get out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I want to listen to the album front to back just as an exercise of listening to, like, I guess a 90s grunge artifact. It felt really comforting listening to this and being like, I remember the 90s. Yeah, this does capture just the warmth yeah. Of the 90s. And, like, I guess it it was reaching that point where grunge was basically out the door, I think, at 94. Yeah. Did it... See, I didn't really follow grunge. So I, I can't say whether or not it died. Well, when, I mean, you would have been, like, five when it was huge. Yeah, that's true. And, like... But, like, I guess, like, my sister was a big fan of Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots. Mm. But then she was also a big fan of like Faith No More and Slayer. Yeah. And then sharing not Slayer, Pantera. And then sharing a room with my brother who was into Slayer and Metallica and Pantera. Like he he didn't listen to grunge. Like the right. closest he 
skirted that line was Faith No More. And Faith No More were, were grunge. No. But, like, they ran, in, I guess, in the same sort of circles. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't say whether or not grunge died when Kurt Cobain died. Whether, uh, that, whether that was the catalyst. Because these bands still kicked around. I th- I'm probably making it up, but, like... My understanding was that, like, there was sort of a last hurrah of it afterwards because, like, people would have been spurred on to, like, carry on the legacy of it, but then, like, it still just kind of died off. Yeah. I don't know. And um, then you got, like, post-grunge, and then you got, like, bands like Creed. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just have butt rock. Which is, like... <laughs> I, so, like, yeah, the, the thing of, like, him sounding like Kirk Cobain, like... I don't know, like, all the grunge vocalists sounded... Again, that's the whole point, is, like, they have the gruff voice, and, like, the... Only wanna be with you... Oh, that's... That's Hootie and the Blue. (laughs) (laughs) Was Hootie a grunge band? They were the original grunge band. (laughs) Fuck it. I really want, like, a grungy, like, Hootie and the Blowfish shirt now. That's fucking sick. Is there, like, could you do, like, the, the Nirvana, like, the the yellow smiley face with the tongue sticking out, but it's a fish? Or just the face, the, just with Hootie. Oh my god! Yeah, you you do you do like just <laughs> entirely the Nirvana shirt, but it says Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Imagine that. You, I feel like we would have been much more progressed as a species if we had taken that route of Hootie and the Blowfish being just like full-blown grunge that's a timeline i'd like to live in i think we would be more like progressed as a species if they'd stayed together true i blame i blame you darius no no i like darius rucker he seems he seems swell (laughs) (laughs) do you know do you know what i blame oh and i forgot to mention this when we did the episode i blame covid and like the world locking down on limp biscuit for not releasing that disco elephant album yet yeah it's like true. The, the day they re- fred stop doing your weird business no with no keep doing that. what it, I, i'm assuming that's a wig that has to be a wig but like stop doing your weird business just record your album and like people will start getting vaccinated oh i don't know i feel like <laughs> the venn diagram of people who stand limp biscuit and people who don't believe in the vax is probably a circle they are well they are from florida but they're popular in florida so mm. <laughs> anyway um but I, no i like the song i don't know if it necessarily uh, what like i uh, it sounds critical i don't know if it necessarily needs the minute of just ambling to begin with though yeah no i could feel that it takes takes a while to sort of kick in I'm going to go ahead and guess that there was probably a radio edit where they just kicked that bit out. And the, then that's probably why it performed relatively well. So the song is like over five minutes long. Yeah. And I think the film clip is like a, like a minute shorter. Yeah. But they do cut out. They do basically just come straight in with like pretty close to when he starts singing. <laughs> um. Um, like everyone has a grunge voice in them. It's like everyone has the Arnold has an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression in them, or a Christopher Walken. Like everyone, everyone can do the grunge voice. It's like the grunge, the early grunge voice is fine. It's when you start getting into the post grunge voice that's like when you start doing the Scott Stapp. 
that's where it becomes like a Borat impression <laughs> of music. My wife. My wife. <laughs> I like you. All right. I like sex. <laughs> it's nice. All right. We need to stop. <laughs> And we need to talk about Mayday Parade now. Why? We've already spoken about them twice. This is the third time. We will speak about them another four times. Well, take it up with them. It's not my fault. Well, no, I should probably take it up with Fearless Records. Yeah, look. um... It's not Mayday Parade's uh, fault that they were like, we will take that $1,500 US. Don't rain on their parade, they said. Loving hate, get it wrong, she cut me right back down sides. Sleep the day, let it fade. Who is there to take your place? No one knows, never will. Mostly me, mostly you. What do you say? Do you do when it all comes down? I don't wanna come back down from this cloud. Taking me all this time to find out what I need. I don't want to come back down from this cloud. It's taking me all this, all this time. There is no blame. Look, I I didn't like their cover of We Are The Champions. Yeah. I liked their cover of Somebody That I Used To Know. That's and, so good. And I really like this cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I kind of like... It is very much like... So, the, the Bush version very much encapsulates the sound of 1994 and prior to that, like a few years before... And this is very much like capturing the sound of the 2010s, it feels. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're very much going, this is how we can bring, this is how we can bring our sound to this song and not just do a rote, yeah. note for note cover of this song and just try and be Freddie Mercury. This is, this is a very, this is a very well put together cover and like, even just moments like when the chorus kicks in and they sort of bring it back and like it's, it's, quiet and it is like it is it's another way to sort of reflect on you know coming down from a euphoric moment like like the bush version feels like it's huge and this feels like it's like okay now this might even be a little bit sad (laughs) for those who be playing at home as soon as sam paused he immediately just lifted his arms up in the air I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, I'm not gonna do it. No, you're not. I was, gonna, do I was that. gonna say, I'm gonna do the rest of the episode like this, and I'm not. In I... high school, there was a PE teacher who made a kid who was being a shit just like stand there and like T pose just indefinitely as like punishment. That's fucked. I know. We were all just like, get fucked, Corey, but like, <laughs> fuck you, Corey. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, it was pretty brutal. Cause I was sort of like, oh, what would that do? But like, oh, that would fuck your ass. Yeah, so. I, I, there's something that I find inherently terrifying about the T-pose as well. 
Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's very threatening. Yeah. And it's like sometimes when you're playing a, a video game, and it's only happened to me like once in the game. Oh, cy- when it glitches. Cyberpunk. And yeah, like, <laughs> but like I'm going in a room, I'm sneaking in a room and it's quiet and it's dark and like. There was supposed to be a person in the room, but instead he's just standing in the corner, Blair Witch style, doing a T-pose. And I was like, this isn't a scary game. There isn't supposed to be scary moments, but this legitimately terrified me. And of course it was a glitch because that game was full of them. But yeah. So I'm sure you deserved it, Corey. He he was a good kid. He, um, just a bit, bit of a stinker at times. A bit troubled. Yeah, look, weren't we all? But if you're out there, Corey, I hope you're well. Um, where was I? Yeah, I agree with you on the... They add a lot of texture to this song by, like, pulling it back in that first chorus. Like, even if it's not to tie in with, like, the interpretation of the lyrics, like, just sonically, it's a clever move of, like... So you've just had, like, this big preamble. You've had the first verse or whatever it was. Yeah pull it back in, roll back into, like, verse two, whatever, and then they go for it in the next chorus. Like, it's just a very clever way of building some momentum after having quite a subdued beginning. Yeah. And, like, so Nigel, Nigel, uh, uh, whatever his last name was, very British last name, um, Nigel Westminster. Westminster. Nigel Pusford or something. Um. Puse. Puse. Puseford. Pulsford. Pulsford. Or I, Pulsford. I don't know. I was, I was a letter off. I was one single letter off. Um, like he does a really sort of weird guitar solo. Like it's not, it's not like doing anything off a scale or anything like that. It's just doing weird sort of tones like kind of like a kind of like a tom morello sort of guitar solo almost like and whereas they just then go fuck that let's just do a regular guitar solo and they do and it works as well um i don't know I, i just i think this is a dope cover i also like that the vocalist, forgive me, I cannot remember his name right now, but like... Maybe I should have researched them. <laughs> I mean, but then I should have as well. Um, I like that he's not trying to ape the bush. Yes. Like, he's not trying to be um, Gavin. Gavin. Yeah, he's not trying to like ape Gavin's vocal cadence or style. Yeah. He's just being the front man of Mayday Parade, as he should yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I think this is like it's it's gotten progressively better. Although their cover of somebody that I used to know is really good, but like I feel like it's for me at least gotten better. Yeah. With each with each song. Like again, I really did not like their cover of We Are the Champions. Um but yeah. like this is this is well I'm just gonna say it, it's a hell yeah from me. Shit, are we wrapping up that soon? Uh, do you have anything else to say? Um no, I usually just rely on you to keep talking to flesh it out for another 10 to 15. I don't know if I can do that this time. 10? No? 15, come on. I don't know. 15, jeez. Yeah, I had a good sandwich today. I guess I could talk about it. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I give this a hell yeah as well. And the original. Yes. Just just listen to 16 Stone. like. Yeah. Um, 
just yeah, I was gonna try and like come up with like some classic nineties things to do while you're doing it listening to it, but I can't. Well, like putting on a slap bracelet wearing one of those choker chain uh, choker necklaces. Slap bracelets weren't early nineties. They were like They were the eighties, weren't they? Were they the eighties? They maybe, but they were like early two thousands as well. I had a slap bracelet. They came back. They yes. definitely came back. So going by like the general sort of twenty year cycle, then yeah, probably eighties. What was the early ni- The early nineties were like flannel, flannels, like uh, ripped sort of jeans. But like they were big. Converse they were big jeans, weren't they? Like, Not I- like Jenko level, but just big. Like just yeah, you can tell the you can tell the year in the nineties by um, like how much how many like household items you could fit in your in your jeans. <laughs> That's why they call them cargo pants, I guess. <laughs> um, and then just like the sort of flat, like parted hair and yeah. just very subdued. So just, uh, yeah, for a generation of kids that were so moody back then, like they probably are the last generation to have like a good run before things got completely cooked. We We grew up in the emo time though. Emo was cool. Yeah, but we also can't afford to buy a house. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And also, emo wasn't cool. Hey. <laughs> um. So next week's episode, we will keep it a secret, I reckon, just for yeah. But we are very excited because it's double donuts. Yeah, episode well, one, double donut, double bagel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm so used to. COVID zero terminology. I was like, double donuts. Um, double donuts with an eclair in front of them. <laughs> um, no, I don't like eclairs. I'm going to go with one of those like straight donuts or a churro. Ooh. Or like a matchstick. Have- yeah, actually, no, I do like matchsticks. Fuck, I haven't had a good matchstick in ages. We should find a good bakery around here. I know. Like, the shittier it looks, the better the food is. To a point. Like, it needs to look rustic shitty, not... Like I, I guess the floors shitty. I guess there can't be like a person inside that's just like literally taking a dump. No. No. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> this has been come down. <laughs> <laughs>